Uh, we're winding up uh, the book of Numbers, of course. This is the last portion uh, for the book of Numbers. Uh, and, uh, you know, Numbers is really about finishing well. It's really what it's about. It's about, uh, it's like a recipe of how to live well on the journey. Uh, uh, as, and of, of here was the getting to the promised land and, and how to live uh, in uh, Eretz Yisrael when they arrived. But for us, uh, this book of the Bible is a wonderful learning tool for us to learn about how to uh, maneuver through, uh, through life. Uh, and uh, we come here to uh, uh, chapter 35, and we're introduced to, uh, to a concept that really was uh, new. This was something that was an innovation to the culture and to the world. This is, uh, you know, from the, the Word of God, something different that uh, the cultures around Israel had not experienced. Now, to really appreciate what I'm going to say, we have to understand that when God gave the Torah to uh, the Jewish people, uh, the people didn't drop down from Mars, you, you know, and, and it's not like uh, they were uh, created out of nothing uh, in the wilderness, uh, you know, at Mount Sinai, uh, and that uh, they knew nothing except the Torah, no. They were people who lived in the cultural world uh, of that day. And they, uh, just like all the other cultures, uh, were aware of uh, particular ways of life and, and doing things. Okay? Now, in the text here, we're going to read about a, a situation where uh, somebody kills somebody. Okay? And there's a person we're going to read read about him called the Avenger. Now, we're not talking about you-know-who, the Avengers, or something like that, okay? Uh, but uh, the Avenger of blood. And it's interesting that in most English translations that word is used, we'll learn that they could have done better, I think, in all these translations. Uh, because it isn't really uh, someone getting revenge, <laughs> okay? But the point we want to understand is that that is not the innovation, Okay? This is what was done, that when someone uh, would be killed, whether it would be accidentally or on purpose, but just the fact that somebody kills somebody, the culture, the cultural norm was, is that someone from that person's family, a close relative, would go and chase after the person who did it and get retribution. And sort of uh, make, uh, evidently, make, uh, make it even, so to speak. The avenger of blood. But that's not the innovation. That's what was going on. That's what people did. The innovation is the city of refuge. The innovation, the thing that was new here, was the concept that a person could go to a particular location and be judged whether this was accidental or whether this was uh, a planned uh, uh, a murder of someone. And we'll see here that judging by the motives and what happened, a person could be spared this death and could find asylum for either the rest of their lives or until the high priest died. 
And when the high priest died, it would be like being pardoned. And so it's a very interesting innovation, an innovation of grace into this culture, Uh, an innovation of mercy tempering justice, and some great lessons for us to learn. So in chapter 35, we're introduced to it, and then in Joshua chapter 20, we we see how it began to be played out, okay? So here, Numbers chapter 35. Um, we'll actually begin, save a little time, in um, verse 9. The first eight verses talk about these cities of refuge as a place for priests to live, okay? Because, you know, they didn't have, the Levites didn't have their own uh, territory. So they were given a varieties of cities for them to live in, okay? And for them to... Uh, sort of be the spiritual leaders dispersed around uh, around Israel, and they were. Uh, it would be sort of like uh, this is a very uh, because this is coming into my head right now. It's a little bit of uh, a little fear, but uh, you know, in some uh, Christian denominations, uh, the uh, the clergy person, the pastor, would would live in a place that was called the parsonage, right? Oh, uh, and, and that was owned by the congregation. It was a place where they lived, right? Uh, and uh, not, that that, not that we think that's a good idea, okay? But uh, I, what you had in ancient Israel was a piece of land given uh, to the priest to be able to live and to you know live like uh, live like others but it was a place for him to serve and they were uh, like i said they were sprinkled around a variety of cities and the text tells us in detail where uh, where they were but these particular cities also served not only for the home base of the priest but also as these cities of refuge okay <clears throat> so beginning in verse 9 Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select uh, for yourselves cities to be your cities of refuge, that the manslayer, and that means a person who kills somebody, okay, that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. And the cities shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger. Okay? Now that word, by the way, in Hebrew, you may be surprised to learn, is the word goal, the word redeemer. It's the same word. Okay? means redeemer. Redeeming uh, the blood of the deceased. See, it's very interesting that in Hebrew, the word itself does not have a negative uh, connotation. Okay? This was how justice uh, was uh, meted out. Again, the innovation is not the sense of justice, but the mercy is the innovation, okay, from the uh, Torah. All right. Uh, And the city shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger, the Goal, so that the manslayer may not die until he stands uh, before the congregation. So the idea is, is that, A person could run to this city of refuge, okay? And there, the person would find asylum from the person chasing him or her, okay? Uh, And here, 
the person would be judged by witnesses uh, as to their motive and what happened. And if it was deemed that it was an accidental death, that uh, the person uh, could live there. And we'll see this from uh, the 20th chapter of uh, Joshua, the second. Okay? Uh, But if it was deemed that this person, uh, as it says in the passage, took a stone, took a piece of wood, you know, and went up to a person and just boom and, and killed them, out of the city of refuge they go. And the blood avenger would be waiting for them. Uh, so we see here, uh, if we go down to verse 16, okay, we have the specifics here. But if he struck him down with an iron object, uh, so that, uh, let's see, yeah, here we are. Uh, but if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. If he struck him down with a stone in the, in the hand, by which he may die, and as a result he died. He is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he struck him with a wooden object in his hand, by which he may die, and as a result he died. He is a murderer. The murderer shall be put uh, to death. The blood avenger, the goal himself, shall put the murderer to death. Uh, He shall put him to death uh, when he uh, meets him. And if he pushed him of hatred or threw something at him lying in wait, and as a result he died... Or if he struck him, struck him down with his hand in enmity, and as a result he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The blood avenger shall put the murderer to death uh, when he meets him. But if he pushed him suddenly without enmity, or threw something at him without lying in wait, or with any deadly object of stone, and without seeing it dropped on him so that he died while he was not his enemy, nor seeking his injury... Then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to these ordinances. Okay? Uh, And the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled, and he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with holy oil. Um, But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the border of the city of refuge to which he may flee, and the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of possession. Okay? All right. Uh, Now, let's turn to another passage, and we'll get the full-orbed understanding of this. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 20. It adds a little bit in Joshua chapter 20. So what you see is, here they're in the wilderness, and the city of refuge is introduced. The concept of the city of refuge is introduced. Now in Joshua, we've entered the land, and the land is being dispersed, and the tribes are all being sent to their land, and the priests are being sent to these cities of refuge. And Joshua reiterates a little bit of what Moses has previously said, but he adds a little bit more information. Okay? All right. Uh, So here in Joshua chapter 20, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Designate the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who kills any person unintentionally, and here, interesting, it says, without premeditation, may flee there, 
and they shall become your refuge from the blood avenger. And he shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and state his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into that city and then give him a place that he may dwell among them. Now if the, blood, if the avenger of blood pursues him, uh, then they shall not deliver the manslayer into his, into his hand because he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the manslayer shall return to his own city and to his own house and to the city which he fled. All right. Uh, and so uh, we see here a, uh, a picture of a number of things, uh, some, some very important innovations. First, uh, this idea of a city of refuge. Uh, now, it's interesting, miklat is the word, and in, in modern Hebrew, uh, it is a very relevant word today, because it is the word for bomb shelter. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, however, in the text of the Bible, uh, this word, uh, miklat, is only used here uh, in the context of cities of refuge. There, uh, yeah, there's actually uh, several different words in Hebrew that are used for the word uh, refuge. There's another word, machseh, and that is the, the uh, word for refuge in all of those psalms that you're familiar with, like Psalm 91, and, you know, the Lord is my refuge, and, and all the shelter and refuge, right? So it's interesting that um, here... The word that is, is used, and it's not used anywhere else, so there's nothing to compare it to. You know, it's one of those words, okay? Uh, that it, it really is speaking of asylum. The person is guilty who's going there, okay? So it's not like an innocent person being chased down and finding a place to go. The person is guilty. The person has killed somebody, okay? So it is actually a form of asylum, we'll, we'll say, Okay? Uh, and protection from this blood avenger. But the focus is on uh, the person is guilty but receives a measure of mercy. Right? Now, uh, when we read about the Lord is, is our refuge, there the emphasis, there's a lot of overlap in these things, but the emphasis is a little different. The emphasis there is, is just protection. Okay? The emphasis there is uh, uh, God is uh, the protector. And so these words are somewhat synonyms, but used in a little bit of a different context, okay? So I wouldn't make a really big difference, a big deal about that, their difference, but just so that we know uh, it's not uh, exactly the same. Uh, now, so uh, this idea of uh, a refuge, of asylum, of a due process uh, is introduced uh, uh, here. Now, in that day, there were other law codes and other forms of due process, but not the mercy that we see uh, of those in uh, the a covenant relationship uh, with God. Uh, this idea of a city of refuge, uh, a place where a person uh, uh, could go. Okay, uh, now, 
So what does this, uh, you know, what, what do we learn from this? Uh, well, what we learn from this is that God uh, indeed, uh, yes, uh, desires justice, uh, but also uh, also mercy, okay? Uh, and we see it here in the way that Israel was to conduct uh, itself, uh, uh, in these, uh, in these matters. All right. And so when we look at uh, this and we, uh, interpret it, this is what it, this is what it means. Uh, a place, uh, of refuge. Uh, a place where a, a person who killed someone, uh, accidentally, uh, could dwell and, uh, would be spared the judgment of the blood avenger. All right, now, this has uh, some, uh, I think, um, uh, very uh, important um, uh, application to us in uh, several different ways, okay? One way is uh, thinking of uh, ourselves as a community, right? That here you have a city of refuge, uh, this place uh, uh, where a person could, uh, uh, could go. Uh, well, as a, uh, a community of uh, believers, uh, certainly this is a reflection of us as uh, as uh, uh, people who embrace uh, as people who embrace uh, Yeshua. Okay, uh, and so for us, we are people who uh, certainly are. None of us are perfect. None of us. Uh, are a hundred percent sinless in, in any way, but a place uh, where we, as a community, can be that we could say would be a a safe place, right? Uh, a safe place. But that doesn't mean that anything goes, right? Being a safe place doesn't mean anything goes. Just like in the city of uh, refuge that there was a judgment that would take place, uh, that sin would indeed be, be dealt with. And it is very interesting that we read in a variety of places uh, in the, the New Covenant. You read, for example, in 1 Corinthians, uh, we read of sin being dealt with and, and Paul uh, chastising the, the people for not taking it seriously uh, and so on. Uh, there are, uh, uh, there's a particular passage in Matthew chapter 18, uh, that Yeshua, uh, uh talks about that when, uh, there is sin and someone sins, uh, you go to that person and, and if, uh, if there is no repentance, then two people, you bring it to the elders, the congregation, and there might be a time when a person has to be, so to speak, put out for the purpose of uh, you know, of redemption ultimately. Uh, but uh, that's, um, I think, very, uh, you know, certainly very appropriate uh, and, uh, and important uh, for us. That we be seen as uh, an, uh, an asylum. Now, the word asylum is kind of an interesting thing, that in a certain way, we, we don't want to be an asylum of uh, people that are just off, Right? That kind of thing. But a place where guilty people can go and find forgiveness. A place 
where guilty people can go and find uh, acceptance in the Lord, where a guilty person can go and repent. Now, it is true that a, a physical place is not the only place where that happens. However, it is rather interesting that in the Bible, we read over and over again, uh, for example, in Romans chapter 12, about how we are to exist as Messiah followers. And we read over and over again about the concept of one another, right? And so we read, for example, in Romans chapter 12, you know, that we're to be a living and holy sacrifice, right? Acceptable to God, our spiritual service of worship. Then that's described in the following verses, right? Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what's interesting is what comes after that is all about the way people relate to each other, okay? All right. So it says, for through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, every person among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allowed it to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body and Messiah and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace Given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, and the one who teaches in his teaching. He who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, uh, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. By the way, you'll notice that uh, many of these gifts are not like pigeonholed to people like, oh, I don't have, uh, I'm not merciful. You know, I'm not going to be merciful because that's not my gift. That's not what he's talking about here, okay? All right? Uh, we should all be exercising these things, all right? Very important, all right? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Con contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And it goes on to talk about, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Don't take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Uh, and I will, uh, I will repay, saith the Lord. Okay, so here's the thing, that oftentimes when we think about, it's, it's fascinating when you read the beginning of the chapters, don't be conformed to this world, and then the description, the description in this passage of not being conformed to the world is about how you relate to people. And so the focus of this passage is don't relate to the people like like the world, you know, like stabbing people behind, you know, in the back, or gossiping, or being unkind, uh, you know, or uh, ignoring people, or viewing people, viewing yourself better than everybody else, or I'm holier than you, or I'm better than you, and in varieties of ways. 
uh, but rather a different way of life in the way we relate to one another. Now, if we relate to one another, that means we have to be in somewhat proximity to one another, okay? Now, in those days, I know this is hard to believe, but no one was texting, okay? In those days, there was no FaceTime, you know, uh, no, uh, none of it, right? People had to actually be speaking. To, there were no telephones either, right? People had to be speaking to one another in person, right? Like in the same room and, you know, and things like that. So that takes a level of trust to be able to do that. That takes a level of trust to be able to speak freely or openly or to share your hurts and your sorrows or to share your happy times uh, or things that you're praying about, you know, that takes, that takes community, not just showing up for a service. That takes community. That takes hanging around each other. It means having a cup of coffee together. It means sharing a meal together, inviting people over or, or you know, sharing a meal at a restaurant, wherever it may be, but, but sharing it together. Koinonia, that's the word used elsewhere in the, in the Brit for participating together. That's what the word fellowship means, by the way. Co-participation, okay? Uh, and uh, and so, uh, so, therefore, as, uh, as a community, we need to be that kind of place. Not a place where we should be afraid. I, I, better, I better be just right or they're all going to judge me. No, but a place where I can go and feel uh, a level of safety that I, I won't be judged, but I will be spoken to truthfully, that I might be admonished. Uh, you know, uh, I might uh, have someone speak to me in a way that uh, requires a little discipline. And on the other hand, a place uh, where I can go and share my hurts and my sorrows, uh, you know, and be accepted. All right? Uh, and, and so in that sense, the community of faith is like the city of refuge. Now, you know what's in, another thing interesting about that is, while it's very while we're talking about being very communally oriented, we're communally oriented so that as individuals we can flourish uh, in the Lord. We don't lose our identity in that communal uh, emphasis. It accentuates our personhood and our personal identity. Not that we, we lose ourselves and that w- the, the, uh, the issues in my life become non-important because we're focused only on uh, a community, but no, the community functions to bless us as individuals, and as individuals, uh, we are called to bless the, the community. That's why, for example, when uh, you are not here on Shabbat, whether you realize it or not, or even whether other people realize it or not, there's something missing. Just your presence, okay? There's something missing. Because we're all contributors. And uh, in a way, uh, you know, the, uh, the community is kind of like that bomb shelter, one might say. You know, uh, a place where uh, the storms of this world uh, uh, are shielded by our community. Yet at the same time, we, we must face consequences for our actions, right? And so again, let me reiterate, 
that it doesn't mean then it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, as long as you're here, it doesn't, then it doesn't matter what I say or what I do or, or who I'm. No, not at all. That uh, part of being a disciple of the Lord is being a lifelong learner. And we're always growing. We're always learning. And I'm not just talking about textbook learning or, or learning verses of the Bible uh, or things related to academics but learning in terms of drawing closer to the Lord and walking with the Lord and learning from, from him. And so uh, the, uh, the body of Messiah is a city of refuge. Okay? Now, that's why we use the word, for example, sanctuary, right? When we talk about the sanctuary, that uh, this is a place of sanctuary. But you and I both know, we all know, that that. You, you don't have to be confined within a particular address, a particular building to find sanctuary in the Lord. No. But as a community, we're human beings, right? We're physical people. And uh, representing that, uh, that relationship with God, when we come together, we are a visible uh, body of Messiah, right? Okay. But also, we could say that the city of refuge is a, uh, a picture of uh, Yeshua himself. There's lots of passages, not only when talking about one another, one another, one another, but you know, another thing you read about in the Brit Harashah is another phrase, in him, in him, in him, in him, okay? So in him, for example... Uh, we read uh, in, I mean, there's so many of them, but uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, we read in a sense about Yeshua himself being a, uh, a place of refuge or a city of refuge. <clears throat> we read that um, just as in verse 3, as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Yeshua uh, HaMashiach to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed uh, in the beloved. Uh, And now in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished uh, upon us uh, in all wisdom and insight. We can stop there. If you turn to the book of Romans, there's another interesting passage in the fourth chapter. In verse 5 it says, but to the one who does not work means uh, trying to uh, be right with God through some legalistic uh, means. Okay, But to the one who does not work but believes in him or trusts in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. That little phrase, who justifies the ungodly. Okay? When we come to Messiah, we don't clean up our act and then come to know the Lord. Okay? We come to know the Lord and he cleans up our act. Right? Uh, Very, very important to understand. You read in the next chapter in the book of Romans, in uh, uh, chapter 5, uh, you read in verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Messiah died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, 
Though perhaps for a good man, someone might dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Okay? Uh, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God uh, through him. Okay? Uh, and so, uh, well, then verse 10, for if while we were enemies, so helpless, ungodly enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So in the risen Messiah, we find refuge. We find asylum. The blood avenger cannot get to us, even though we may be worthy of death. But by the grace of God, he who is our high priest and who never dies causes us to dwell in him forever. And just as in the city of refuge, a person would indeed uh, be judged, but there would be this level of mercy. And God gives us this uh, mercy. If God judged us all according to our deeds, we would all be dead. If there was no city of refuge, there would be no hope at all. Now, you know, the, the text said that as we read it, that if a person was in the city of refuge and, and was, was supposed to stay there, but decided to wander off on their own, then they would be liable to the blood avenger. Now, you know, you, you can take, uh, that can serve as a metaphor for a variety of things. But let me just suggest this. That uh, it, it is indeed, I think, uh, a very important picture of the importance of believers, yes, maintaining their fellowship with the Lord. So we'll start there. And not walk away from Yeshua. Uh, and not uh, say, I don't believe, you know, uh, I'm, I'm rejecting this. I, I don't believe this. Now, of course, the Bible does tell us that, uh, uh, you know, when uh, in 1 John, that those who, those who leave were never of us. Leaving the faith, meaning saying, like recanting the faith. The text says in 1 John, they were never of us. Because when we come to faith in Yeshua, when we embrace God, there is a spiritual transaction that takes place. This is not just assent to believe something, okay, or then disbelieving it. But there's a spiritual transaction that takes place. God gives us a, a new heart that, that can never be taken away, see, okay? But the telltale sign of a person that has that, has a circumcised heart, is a person who may sin but repents like David. For example, repents, uh, 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 feels guilty. You know, when you feel guilty about sin, that is like pain. It's like, it's like having pain when, 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 when you do something to your body. It's like a signal that something's wrong. Experiencing guilt is not, if you never experience guilt, I would question where you are with the Lord. See? So that's very important. Okay? Never, uh, you know, uh, Never saying, "Well, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go do go off on my own." But then, communally also, uh, it has uh, important ramifications. That when we say, "You know, I just don't like. I can't find anywhere that meets my standards of righteousness, or I can't find anywhere that I feel comfortable in. You know, I can't find anywhere where I like the music. You know, or the length of the service." 
or this or that, or this person said something to me, or that. And then you just say, I'm going to go off on my own. Um, that leads oftentimes just to, to unhealthy spiritual activity. Let's just leave it there. Unhealthy spiritual activity. Okay? Uh, and you become susceptible to the culture and to the, to the, uh, to a way of life that is not commensurate with walking with the Lord. So that's why, again, the congregation, the community of believers serves as a, a city of refuge, as well as, of course, indeed, the Lord himself. What did Yeshua say? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my load is light, right? So if, if we are just burdened down with everything and life is just so bad and I just don't know what to do with myself, we need to come or return to the Lord himself, himself. And he will indeed give you rest. He will indeed give you asylum. He will indeed accept you just the way you are, helpless, an enemy, ungodly, and he will disciple you. And as a community, he uses the hands and the feet and the mouths of all of us to help in that process. And so may all of us always seek this city of refuge. May all of us make sure that we're safe in community and safe in the Lord. And finally, may we recognize that there is a balance that needs to always be maintained between this issue of justice and mercy. You know, if we focus so much on justice, then we become judgmental without even realizing it. Okay? If we focus too much on the mercy, then we can become like anything goes, uh, uh, somewhat hedonistic almost to the, to the, to the extreme, right? And so, Justice is tempered with mercy. And isn't it wonderful that in a community of believers, he gives us personalities and people that when you add it all up, we have this balance of justice and mercy. And, and uh, we see it here uh, in this week's Torah portion so well that there is justice. When someone is killed, something needs to happen. We need to understand the motives we need to uh, be judged. And, you know, something to always remember about this, that the person who seeks asylum in a city of refuge has to stay there, could be for the rest of their lives, separated from the rest of their family, you know? Uh, and so it's, it's, they're not off the hook, but they don't die. So there's this, this mercy. However, there are consequences to actions, see? So may we be people that represent a city of refuge. May we be people that, not only to ourselves, not only as we talk to each other, but as we are out in this world, may people see a community like Beth Messiah or us individually in our personal relationships with people at work and in our neighborhoods as, as a person of refuge or a place of refuge. And, you know, when we are seen that way, we will see. We will see people repent we will see people recognize the errors of their ways and come to God and come to know the Lord and find, as we like to say, an alternative lifestyle of mercy and of justice and of the fruit of the Spirit in all these one another passages. And so from this week's Torah portion, 
uh, to our lives thousands of years later here at Beth Messiah. May this innovation of mercy, this innovation of refuge in a world of retribution uh, be uh, noticeable and a testimony of what God has done for us uh, in forgiving our sins and giving us new life uh, in our refuge, Messiah Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, we thank you, uh, God, that we have found refuge in you. We have found protection. We have found asylum. Thank you, God, that it is not something that we deserve, Lord. And, and thank you, God, that we don't have to uh, be uh, uh, fearful, therefore, but we can come to you and find safety. And Lord, may we find that uh, in, in, uh, in a community of believers. May we be quick to defer to one another. May we be quick to forgive. May we listen as, uh, as we may even speak into each other's lives. Uh, but Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you that in you there is refuge. In you there is mercy. In you there is justice. Lord, we thank you for the visible body of Messiah in a, in a local community. God, uh, we thank you, God, for indeed a city of refuge. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.